We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We are joined by Brian Driscoll, the publisher of irishbreakdown.com. We'll kick around some Notre Dame football-related topics with Brian. And I guess we should start off by wishing you a happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Do you mind if I ask you what I saw the answer to this question on Twitter earlier today, how you and your wife are going to celebrate tonight? Yes. So I convinced her to make today a game day. Uh, and we're gonna watch an old Notre Dame game, and we're gonna have like we're gonna we're gonna. I found a video. It's the '88 Notre Dame Miami game. I found a video on YouTube that has the intro. It has commercials. It has halftime. It's like literally the entire broadcast. So we're gonna make some nachos and sit back and relax and watch it like nice. I've never seen it, and she's never seen it. So it'll be really cool to kind of have that experience with her. How about that? What network had the game that day? Do you know? Have you looked? It was that a far CBS ahead? game, which makes it even better because you know how obsessed I am with the CBS right. intro music. Oh, it's the best! That's right? Absolutely. Brent so, I think was, was yep. there for that. Game and and he, even right. though he was very pro Miami, <laughs> it was a, he did a great job <laughs> calling that game. He he was the best, one of the how best. About that. Yeah. It's strange to see CBS at a at a Notre Dame game, to to mm-hmm. say the least. Mm-hmm. Okay, where it's let's, not let's Navy. Get, Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Let me get to really not necessarily total Notre Dame topic, Brian, as we start things off, but just kind of want to get your reaction to the decision that Jordan Johnson made. He announced on Twitter the former Irish wide receiver is going to play at Central Florida. Gus Malzahn, the former Auburn coach, I believe, is now the head coach there. 
at Central Florida. Uh, all things considered how things did not work out here, for a five-star to end up there as his second-chance opportunity, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's what every kid in his situation should do. And, and, and I've had this debate for years with people who have asked my opinion about where kids should go. Go somewhere where you know you're going to play because you, you're not going to get a third crack at this. I mean, you transfer again, and now all of a sudden we're having problems. Then you have to sit out a year. It's, it's just not a good situation. Go somewhere that you're going to get a chance to play. Because anyone that studies the NFL draft knows that NFL teams don't care where you go to school. If you're dominant, if you have the traits, the physical traits, if you have the production, they'll draft you high if you're from Western Michigan or if you're from Michigan. It doesn't matter. And so that's, that's you know, get out of the whole, I got to go to a power five and all that. Go somewhere you can play and dominate. And in some parts about this move, it makes sense. Other parts about it has me scratching my head a little bit. Interesting. And then the other guy who transferred, of course, was Dylan Gibbons, and he announced uh, last night that that uh, he's going to Florida State. And so, I guess just, just you know some thoughts on that, along with is there any benefit? Because I've seen you know this this kind of pop up from fans. Any benefit to the Seminoles getting a player from a team that that they're obviously going to play this season? I think it makes a lot of sense for Dylan. You know, he's going to go back home. He's going to a Power 5 school, which you know is kind of against what I just said, but you know it is close to home. Uh, but uh, And it's a place that is in desperate need of offensive line help. Their offensive line has yeah. been a hot mess for years. Saw that and, last year. Yeah, and, and they, they need an upgrade. And he's a big, tough kid, and he's obviously you know comes from a really good offensive line program, so it makes a lot of sense there. And so, you know, I think that's a good fit for him. I think there are benefits, Sean, obviously, you know, assuming. And, again, as a coaching staff, you have to assume that he's given him your playbook. And you also should probably assume that he's got his hands on a defensive playbook. I think that's just the mentality that you have to have when you go into this. And having the playbook doesn't necessarily help in regards to they go to know your plays because you know how else you can know plays? It's to study the film, and you know what plays they run. <laughs> what you have to be right. careful of, however, is often in playbooks you'll have, here's our signal, here's our line calls, here's the things that we do from a communication standpoint. That's really where opposing teams can have an advantage is if they know your calls, if they know your signals, and that's what you know people get kind of fired up about, you know, about what Clemson does. I don't care if another team knows what my plays are. What I care about is if they know – how to know what play I'm specifically calling in this instance. That can be dangerous. And so you have to mix up your calls. It's like when you have an assistant coach that goes somewhere else. You mix up your play calls. You mix up your signals. You, you try to do some things so that way the team doesn't get a read on that. And that's really the only, the only danger that you have. If you can have a plan for that, then, then it, it won't be a big deal. Brian, just my way of thinking, when you have a football team that has high expectations this program has gone to the playoff two of the last three years, so I'm sure despite all the personnel that it's going to be playing in the National Football League this year from Notre Dame, the same expectations are at the Goog like they were last year. So if you have a team that's rebuilding, you're 2-7, and seven, you lose a guy like Dylan Gibbons, I, I probably don't even blink at it because you're building for the future. Now, I know he was probably not going to start this year. He was going to be a backup. Do you worry about the depth factor from an experience standpoint along the fighting Irish offensive line? I mean, right now, 
the starting offensive line is still a work in progress as they try to figure out where Jarrett Patterson is going to play. So I guess I'm just asking a step further down the line. Injuries or poor play happens. Do you think the Irish are covered right now from an experienced standpoint in backup roles that you would feel comfortable with in a big game? You know, Darren, I, I don't think it's ever good for you to lose a veteran player, a, a big, tough veteran player. So I don't mm-hmm. think it, it's necessarily a benefit to Notre Dame that he's gone, but I also sure. don't think it's necessarily a loss. And the reason I say that is this is not a knock on Dylan Gibbons at all, but when you actually look at what the offensive line is going to look like in the fall, mm-hmm. you know, they do have three guys coming back that have starting experience. Josh Lugg has nine starts. Zeke Carell has two starts, including, and they're both big spotlight games at North Carolina and then the national title game. And, and then, of course, Jarrett Patterson. And then you've got a lot of young you know, guys that like Andrew Kristoffick, Quinn Carroll, uh, you know, guys that are, that are rising juniors. So they have some experience in the system that, that you can then re- re- sort of rely on them. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After that, I mean, I do think there's a lot of inexperience, and that is problematic. At the same time, the benefit to a situation like this is you have some very talented younger players like Michael Carmody, Rocco Spindler, Blake Fisher, Tosh Baker. Now that that veteran guy that you would have forced his, you know, you'd have forced him into the two deep because of that experience, now you have to spend that time developing these younger, more talented players. And I think that can be a benefit, especially since Dylan did it so soon after spring. You now know for the next several months that you got to get these younger guys ready to go. By the time you get to fall camp, then they're then they're cruising along. So I, I think the timing of it is going to work out well for both both parties involved. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Well, I mean, the offensive line, probably the biggest question they have going in to fall camp. You know, the quarterback behind that, but, you know, with so many new faces we're going to see on the offensive line. If if you went a little deeper, though, with the offensive line, beyond just who's going to start where, like if, if, if we're fortunate enough to be out there at fall camp and if we're not in that season opener September 5th, what, you know, what would be the biggest things that, that you're looking for from that line? 
I think they just have to start playing more sound football. I mean, to me, that's the big thing from this group, Sean, is the things they were getting beat by in the in the spring game. It was a it was a relatively ba- it was an aggressive but relatively basic defensive game plan, and they were getting beat with the same things over and over again. Now, again, it wasn't the starting five on the same team playing together. They were mixed and matched a little bit, but that's going to be the big thing for me. Is look, there's a lot of talent in this group. This is going to actually be a bigger offensive line than it was last season. When you talk about, you know, Josh Lugg is bigger than Robert Hainsey, Blake Fisher is bigger than Liam Eikenberg, Rocco Spindler is bigger than Tommy Kramer uh, from a weight standpoint. So, I mean, it's going to be a bigger line, but it's going to be young and inexperienced. So, the, the concern with that is can you avoid the mistakes where it's one guy making a mistake on this play, another guy making a mistake on this play, three guys thinking they're blocking one defender and then two come free. You know, those are the type of mistakes <laughs> that you see from an experience. So the key is just going to be making sure that the communication is sound, making sure that their assignment correct. Those are the two most important things. And then as you're doing that, you're also making sure that the, you know, the first steps are correct and things along those lines. So there's a lot of those little things, those communication things that have to come into play the talent won't be a problem. The talent in the two deep won't be a problem. It's just about getting guys me- mentally and technically ready to play together. Brian Driscoll, the publisher of IrishBreakdown.com, joining us on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Does it help, for example, freshman players getting their first start along the offensive line? to have a veteran player next to them. So as the Irish look to put together their starting offensive line, I know they have to put the best five on the field, Brian, but I'm probably just going too far deep into this, but is there some thought that goes into this where if you have a freshman, a true freshman starter at, let's say, left guard, the importance to have a veteran player at left tackle or at least at center to help them along the way? Is there value in that? And do the coaches have to think about that? Yes. Yes and yes. I think there is value to younger players having a veteran next to them. Uh, So that's kind of why I've always felt, you know, hey, they need to have Jarrett Patterson next to to Blake Fisher, and then they need to have Josh Lugg and Zeke Carell kind of in between Rocco Spindler. That certainly would be my preference. However, as I've kind of thought about why would they do this, I think you also have to make sort of a devil's advocate argument about, but then you also, maybe you don't necessarily have a dominant side. And so if you have two young guys side by side, then you, okay, we know their limitations, we know their strengths. We know we have a right side with Zeke Carell, Jarrett Patterson, and Josh Lugg side by side by side to where when we get in a third down, we know what our dominant side is. You know, we know where we can go. And so I think... I think there there can be a good devil's advocate argument made that you, you that might be more advantageous to get those veterans. So then you can say, hey, we at least we know have we have one side that's ready to roll. Now we can focus on getting these younger guys together and working on the same page. And then of course you start thinking about the future. And then when year two and year three of Rocco and Blake Fisher side by side, that has a chance to be a special combination. So even though my preference is along what you said, Darren of mm-hmm. making sure there's veterans and the younger guys are spread around, I do think you could make a a, a, a a devil's advocate argument that I would be sympathetic to that would say there's merit to having the veterans actually on the same side of the field together. Hmm. Okay. Since we're talking about offensive line, Brian, this this will kind of jump in a different direction, but Darren and I yesterday, we were playing some of the Aaron Banks, his his press conference when he was meeting with the media 
in San Francisco after he was drafted. And obviously, he's a big guy, up around 340 pounds, and and you know they they use that that uh, you know zone blocking scheme and and uh, that 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 system that Shanahan uses goes back to the Bronco days when his dad was you know using those guys all under 300 pounds out there and. And Banks was kind of getting grilled, I thought, by the media about, you know, how big he is. I think they were all just puzzled by this <laughs> mm-hmm. behemoth, you know, being drafted into that scheme. So I'm curious just sort of what you think about that and, and what kind of success he could have in that in that scheme. Well, I'm, I'm curious why, you know, I, I'm curious as to why they're asking, actually. The, the knock that NFL people, the, the people that I respect, said that the concern is having him in a system where he's going to have to trap and pull a lot because that's not really his wheelhouse. Uh, if they wa- if those people in the media actually watched Aaron Banks' film, they'd say that's what he did at Notre Dame. He ran an, he ran a zone system where he's working in combo blocks, where he's getting that big push, that big movement. And I think where he uh, is effective as a blocker is those quick power steps. You know, he's not a guy that you want wrapping around in counters and wrapping around in pullers. I think the hard power downhill zones are where he fits well. Uh, I, I think putting a big-bodied guy, if you're going to put him at right tackle next to Mike McGlinchey, is going to help McGlinchey out a little bit because you know McGlinchey's size has been a little bit of an issue for him at times. You know because he isn't a naturally big guy; he has to work to put on that weight, or Aaron Banks has to work to make sure he doesn't put on too much weight. But I, I think that system fits him very well. I, I think Aaron's a little bit more athletic than I think some in the in the media are giving him credit for. When he's in shape and when he's correct, Aaron had also had some injuries this year that a lot of people don't know about, and he still went out and earned uh, consensus All-American honors. So I, I think it's the system. The system fits him well, uh, and and I think if he is motivated in shape, then that being drafted number forty-eight is going to look exactly where he should have been, if not maybe a little bit higher. Gosh, back in the day, Alex Gibbs was my Harry He stand in Denver. Mm-hmm. Yep, Man, <laughs> no, no, no doubt. Could coach. I mean, you had Olandis Gary and Mike Anderson rushing for a thousand yards mm-hmm. no in kidding. that particular zone blocking system with those great offensive linemen. Since we're talking about the National Football League, I say this partially jokingly, Brian, but remember on Pro Day there was just some confusion about a comment Coach Kelly made about Liam Eikenberg, whether he's a left tackle or a right tackle. Isn't it ironic that he goes to Miami and the right tackle position is actually the blind side of the left-handed quarterback? I know with the media down there, there was a lot of discussion that maybe they drafted him as an offensive guard. Where are the places you are absolutely confident he can play in the National Football League? And do you have concern about him being a blind side tackle? I don't. I think Liam Meikenberg is a tackle. I, you know, I, I know that there's this thing of you know quarterback hands and arm li- offensive lineman arm length. They're the two things that that people obsess over. Scouts obsess over it. You know, draft Twitter obsesses over it. Uh, here's what I know: when I pop in the film, there are times when Robert Hainsey's lack of length was a problem for him, and that's why he projects to guard. I never saw that as being a problem from Liam Eikenberg. It never projected, no matter whether he's going to get to Patrick Jones, who got drafted, Chris Rumpf, who got drafted, Victor DiMichigi, who got drafted, um, the other kid from Pitt, Rashad Weaver, who got drafted. He went mm-hmm. against NFL defensive linemen throughout his three years, and he, it was never an issue. So it, it doesn't bother me. I think he can be a blindside guy. I, I didn't agree with Coach Kelly's comment. I think he's athletic enough 
to play on the blind side when you consider his sound technique, and I think there's room for his technique to get better. I don't believe he's going to guard. I mean, before the draft, Miami had said that they're going to move the guy that started a right tackle for them last year, Robert Hunt, who was also a second-round pick. They were planning on moving him to guard. So I don't see that they would say that, and then that next day draft Liam Eikenberg to play guard. People are saying he's going to play guard because of the arm length only. His game, could he play guard? Yeah, he could play guard. I think he's got the the physical ability, the run-blocking ability to play guard, and it would certainly negate his lack of length. But I'm giving Liam Eikenberg every opportunity possible to play tackle. And, And then you've got Austin Jackson on one side. You've got Liam Eikenberg on the other side. You've got Robert Hunt in the middle, and all of a sudden, Miami has the makings of a very young, talented offensive line that's going to be together for a while. You know, I'll just go ahead and ask one more offensive line question since we're digging deep on (laughs) on offensive line. Now, Jarrett Patterson, he missed the spring, obviously, and I think that we were were all kind of working, at least going into spring, under the assumption that he was going to be a tackle, but by the end of spring it started to sound like maybe he moves from center to guard. And so I'm just curious with him being a, you know a draft eligible guy a year from now if if he stays on the interior that kind of pigeonholes him as far as his professional future, doesn't it? I think so. And honestly, I think interior is probably where he was going to be better suited. I thought that the draft playing tackle would have boosted his stock a little bit more because then you could say, right. "Hey, could this guy play on the edge?" And he seems to have longer arms than Robert Hainsey, but, you know, obviously I thought Liam Eikenberg had a lot longer arms than Robert Hainsey, and, <laughs> and he didn't, although his wingspan was several inches longer, which to me, wingspan is more important than arm length because it speaks to how wide you are, how broad you are, which you know, I think that that measurement is a little bit more important for an offensive tackle, in my opinion. That's just That's just me, but... Yeah, I think it does pigeonhole him a little bit. I think it does limit the potential of him potentially of possibly being a first round draft pick. And heck, who for all we know, that's part of the motivation behind moving him inside is because they want him to stay for a fifth year. But you know, look, if he if he dominates this year at guard, he's still going to be a high pick. And and I don't know if tackle was ever going to be the thing for him. I think all it did is it gave his resume a lot better look. And it would have said maybe there are some teams that would have liked him at tackle. But I just think with this body type, I, I still believe interior would have ultimately been where teams liked him best. And he's not going to get that chance to show that he can play on the perimeter. But he does. He will be able to show that if he can dominate a guard this year, that there's now three positions you can start him at, both guards and center spots. And and that's certainly going to help, help his draft stock, especially as you're seeing more and more teams drafting centers and guards in the first two rounds. I mean, we saw Aaron Banks go number 48. We've seen multiple centers in, in recent years. The kid from Arkansas went. The kid from NC State, Bradbury, went in the first round. Ryan Kelly to the Colts went in the first round. So we are seeing that a lot more in recent seasons. I know we got to go, but you were talking about Banks a moment ago in San Francisco. My follow-up question is this. Had he played left tackle at Notre Dame, would he have been above average tackle at the college level? Yes, I think he would have been a really good offensive tackle. I don't think he would have projected to play tackle at the next level, but I absolutely think he could have been a a really good left left tackle. He would have even been better at right tackle, in my opinion, uh, just because I don't know if I would have loved him on the left side. But Aaron's a very long player. He actually has the body to play left tackle. I just don't think he has the game of a left tackle. But I think in the NFL. But I certainly think he he looked pretty good playing left tackle against Florida State last year when he filled in when Liam Eikenberg yeah, went down. That's right. Uh, but uh, but he would have handled himself quite well there. But then when he went to the NFL, they'd have moved him back inside. All right. Tell Irish fans what to expect at irishbreakdown.com, where you're the publisher. 
Yes, thank you. Well, I have my uh, big board, running back big board. I republished that today. It's back on top as Notre Dame gets ready to host their top three running backs here in June. All three have visits scheduled. Uh, also, I'll have my outside wide receiver big board coming up. There's some Notre Dame is trending in a good direction with some of those players. And then Friday, I will have my hot board where I give the latest and uh, the recruiting latest scoop on all the defensive players on Notre Dame. That's a new feature we started last week. Mm. I'm going to rotate every Friday, offense one week, defense the next, where we just give, hey, here's the latest and here's the direction that Notre Dame is trending with each of their top recruits. So check that out on Friday. All right. That is at irishbreakdown.com, the Sports Illustrated website, covering Notre Dame athletics, including Notre Dame football. Brian Driscoll is the publisher. He'll rejoin us on Thursday to talk some Notre Dame football recruiting, and maybe we can get into a little bit more about some of these visits coming up in June to the Notre Dame campus. Brian, enjoy your birthday tonight. Hopefully the Irish win the game you're going to watch, and we will talk to you on Thursday. I'm predicting Notre Dame by one. Okay. Let us know how it turns out. <laughs> <Bold. will do. laughs> All right. Sounds good. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Brian Driscoll, the publisher of irishbreakdown.com. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com